0: This is episode 76 of the Popcast.
1: Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Josh and Maureen Goldman. Welcome back, everybody. Two days late. Two days late.
0: Hey, better late than never.
1: Well, originally, I had wanted to do this podcast on Tuesday instead of Monday. As we normally do, because the Oscar nominations for 2020 were released on Monday morning. I thought, we'll record on Monday night. We'll talk about the nominations in addition to our premiere topic. But then, real life hit us. Maureen and I both fell asleep on the couch at like 9 o'clock last night.
0: Sometimes you're just exhausted and you have to fall asleep on the couch. That's
1: right. So here we are, Tuesday night, recording our episode for this week. The first thing I want to talk about, Maureen, do you think any of our elephant-eared listeners cracked the code?
0: So, for the past few episodes, the first word of every episode has been a secret code. A secret code,
1: and here is that code strung together. We have an announcement. Maureen is pregnant? pregnant. That's right, Maureen is pregnant. Woohoo! There's a little baby growing inside of Maureen, I'm more than halfway along, which is exciting, and we're very excited to welcome another baby into our family.
0: We are really pumped, and we're very grateful and. Yeah, just very, very, very excited. I
1: said, should we tell our podcast audience? And Maureen said, sure. And then I said, maybe I'll do this code thing, which was really silly. And it was really hard to figure out how to start an episode with the word pregnant. And that was when I said pregnant, pause, to start this episode. A little tricky work there. Good one, honey. All right, so yes, we are very excited and We'll let you know when the baby arrives. Maureen, just a couple items in the snack bag. Then we're going to have a little bit of uh, an addition to the snack bag, which is going to be the Oscar nominations. But first, did you hear this news that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are quitting the royal family?
0: So I did hear this news. I mean, embarrassingly, I don't really watch the news or listen to the news because sometimes it makes me really upset. A
1: lot of it is sad.
0: Anyway, I was with girlfriends this weekend and... (laughs) My best my best friend, Kristen, was like, I can't believe you don't know about this. Like, you have to start watching the news. So, yes, I was made aware that they are leaving the monarchy and moving to Canada.
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is what they, they posted an Instagram post. Apparently, they did this without telling anybody else. They Apparently, just...
0: the queen is very upset. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I have their statement. I'll read a little bit of it here. And then the queen actually made a statement yesterday. So this is what the Instagram post from Prince Harry and Meghan Markle says. After many months of reflection and internal discussions, we have chosen to make a transition this year in starting to carve out a progressive new role within this institution. We intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to fully support Her Majesty the Queen. Okay, so there's a lot more to that, but that's basically also, what Also, they they're said. already
0: worth like millions and millions. It's like $300 million, something ridiculous Right, like I that. mean,
1: Prince Harry has a lot of money. And Meghan Markle was an actress.
0: If you're not financially independent already, guys, I don't know what you're doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure either. Then a couple days later, the queen responded. And this is what the queen said. My family and I are entirely supportive of Harry and Meghan's desire to create a new life as a young family. Although we would have preferred them to remain full time working members of the royal family, we respect and understand their wish to live a more independent life as a family while remaining a valued part of my family. Okay, so this
0: we used family a lot there. Did her PR people not read over? This? I have no
1: idea. It, it's just all like, first of all, why do we care? I mean, we care. We're talking. We about We care it.
0: because she's American and or part American, and right? Is she half Canadian, half American? I don't
1: know. I don't know.
0: I think her mom lives in Canada. Okay,
1: but she's definitely she's American. Yeah, she's
0: our Northwestern princess. Yes. Anyway, I'm pretty sure she's just being blamed for stealing Prince Harry.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, there's just been this whole idea of maybe this was, you know, like racially motivated. So th- there's been a little bit of thought that, you know, she wasn't welcome in England and wasn't welcome in the royal family, which if that's true, that would be very sad. That, that's sad. And so she's decided, look, I'm not going to stand for this. We're going to take, you know, our son and we're going to move away. And I read something else today. I don't know if there's any truth to this, that she said she's never going back to England. What? Like, like she's already moved to Canada. She left. She took this. She took Archie, the baby, and they went to Canada. She and, has to
0: go back. Her family's. I mean, I Archie mean, I think, and Harry's family is there. Like,
1: I don't know. I mean, so I don't think we really know the true story. But I guess it. You know, it just got me thinking. Why? Why is there royalty? It's so silly. The whole thing is. Hey,
0: they're doing better than. Some of our politicians. Yeah,
1: but they're not politicians. That's the whole thing. It's like, what is the point of having royalty?
0: Tradition, tradition.
1: I guess so. But, you know, obviously people do care about this and, um, you know.
0: My bottom line is, I don't think the Queen's that upset because you still got William, Kate, and their three kids.
1: Yeah, and, and William is the heir to the throne after Prince Charles. So, yeah, I think it's not. That big of a deal? I mean, but, th- but they were talking about it like I mean, it's it was a big deal, but- Not as big of a deal as it would be if he was the next in line to be king. Okay, should we move on to our next snack bag topic? Let's do it. All right, Maureen, let me give you a little scenario. You're out to sea. You fall off your boat. Oh, no. You're floating around. You aren't sure if you're going to make it. This is getting pretty dire. And then, up above, your savior. Looking down at you is Leonardo DiCaprio. What? So, this is a true story. Leo?
0: A true story about Leo? A true story he about Leo. And rescued someone? Yes. I just am so jealous right now.
1: So, Leo was vacationing in St. Bart's, and the boat he was on heard a distress call from someone who went overboard. They went out and they found this guy floating about an hour before dark and a, before this huge storm came in. The guy they saved had been treading water for 11 hours, and Leo-
0: Why didn't he just float? You're supposed to just lay on your back and float.
1: Well, maybe he's not a good swimmer. Maybe he didn't know.
0: You're supposed to float. That's why it doesn't require any energy. The salt water in your body. I, I hear
1: what you're saying, but this guy was probably panicking.
0: Okay, well, I'm saying for anybody else who's waiting for Leo to rescue them in a boat, just lay on your back and float
1: this has been marine safety with maureen <laughs> okay so this guy got saved by leo and i just wanted to know
0: i'm jealous maureen, maureen
1: is a really good swimmer and would be very comfortable in the water no i
0: think after 11 hours i'd be in full panic mode
1: but how great would it be to be saved by i mean Leonardo of all DiCaprio? people
0: that's pretty <laughs> pretty darn amazing
1: so you would So be, was leo
0: just like leaning over like hello come aboard yeah
1: so he probably came aboard probably got a couple cocktails with, uh with ldc
0: probably needed some water
1: maybe a water and then a cocktail okay. but yeah how great would that be I, f- I feel like that's your like your dream scenario in a nightmare scenario
0: yes yes yeah making a dream out of what was an almost fatal situation
1: yes all right well I thought you would...
0: rescued me in any scenario i'd i'd It would be amazing. All
1: right, Maureen, let's talk the Oscar nominations. This is going to be our last snack bag topic, and then we're going to move on to our premiere topic this week, which is going to be comparing the two most recent versions of Little Women on film. Maureen, Oscar nominations came out yesterday, Monday, January 13th, and let me just give you a couple quick hits here. Then we're going to talk about the four major categories. We're not going to get into everything here. There are 24 categories overall, and we certainly don't have time to get into all of those now. But Joker... Leads all films with 11 nominations.
0: Wow, dark.
1: The Irishman, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood each received 10 nominations. And then Little Women and Parasite each received six nominations. Here are some fun facts for you. Scarlett Johansson was nominated for two acting awards. She was nominated as Best Lead Actress for Marriage Story, and she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Jojo Rabbit. It's only, I think, maybe the 12th time that's ever happened. Good for you. The first time since two thousand seven, I believe, when Kate Blanchett was nominated for two acting awards, I don't think she'll win either. But you know, we never know. It's an
0: honor to be nominated, especially after Martin Scorsese said that her other movies weren't real.
1: Well, yeah, he doesn't like her new movie that's coming out, Black Widow.
0: Yeah, all of her Marvel, Marvel movies.
1: all of her Marvel movies. John Williams, you know, the famous composer, the Star Wars composer. Yes, he received his fifty-second Oscar nomination.
0: That is absurd. That's absurd. Who's gotten the most Oscar nominations? I think
1: it's him. Wow. It's either him or Walt Disney. But John Williams, 52 Oscar nominations. That is pretty impressive. And then there was a couple that was nominated, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, who are together. They have a son named Harold. And they both got nominated for Best Screenplay, one in the Adapted category and the other in the Original Screenplay category. they're not category. competing. Yeah, that would I be know. tricky. That would be crazy. So Maureen, let's talk through the major categories here. We're going to talk about Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Picture. For Best Actor, we're going to start there. And your nominees this year, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix, in Joker and Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. So have you seen any of these movies? I don't think so. No,
0: but it seems like Joker's going to win.
1: Yeah. So Joker is actually just it just came out on Blu-ray and you know, you can rent it. So I haven't seen it yet, but it's one that is on my list to see very soon. I do think that the, you know, the, the prevailing wisdom is that Joaquin Phoenix will take home this award. I do, the only one I can see maybe upsetting him is Adam Driver. People have been saying that he gives you know one of his best performances ever in Marriage Story, and yeah, he was good in the movie. But you know, I don't think that he'll he'll take down Joaquin Phoenix. All right, lead actress. The nominees are Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan Little Women, Charlize Theron Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy.
0: Interesting. So I think that again, the prevailing wisdom.
1: Well, obviously, the queen, Sersha Ronan, should take home an Oscar here for Little Women. That is not likely to happen. For some reason, I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about the acting awards, and they said that in the past couple of years, it seems that certain actors and actresses have just been sort of like coronated early in the award season, and they tend to win every award. Now, there are some upsets, the ones that I can think of off the top of my head like last year when Olivia Coleman won Best Actress over Glenn Close, who was widely predicted to win that award. That was sad. There was a couple years ago when Mark Rylance won Best Supporting Actor oh, I loved him. for Bridge of Spies yeah. over Sylvester Stallone no, for Creed. No, I was happy with that one. But it's one of those things where, for the most part, these people win awards, and then they don't stop winning them the entire award season, which makes it kind of uninteresting, I would say. But the prevailing wisdom is that Renee Zellweger will win for really? Judy. Yes, she's been... What's Judy? Judy is about Judy Garland. Renee Zellweger plays Judy Garland.
0: I would not have thought that.
1: And apparently she gives a really good performance in a movie that's just not very good. So I'm not sure what is going to happen there exactly, but it's who likely the, that... Who are the people again? I'm going to give Symphony my pick. Cynthia for Harry. I pick her. Well, you haven't seen the movie.
0: I know, but it looks amazing, and that's a really hard part to play.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, the 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 thought behind Cynthia Erivo is that she was really good, again, in a movie that was not very good. So we haven't seen Harriet, but all the reviews that I've read said it's just an okay movie. And then Scarlett Johansson, Saoirse Ronan, Charlize Theron, and Renee Zellweger. All right, should we talk about Best Director here? The nominees there are Morton Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite.
0: So for Best Director, who do you think is going to win?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think there's not really a clear consensus of who might take home this award. The Golden Globe for Best Director went to Sam Mendes for 1917. I can definitely see the Oscars wanting to reward him, but this is a tough category to call. So I guess if I had to guess right now, I think I'd say maybe Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: I'm going to say the Joker guy.
1: Todd Phillips. Yeah, you know, if they start to win a bunch of the other awards, it's very likely that he could win Best Director here. All right, so the big award of the night, the nominees for Best Picture are Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite.
0: Wow. That's a lot. Okay, let's go down the list again, and we can, you can say if you've seen it.
1: I'm And I want your reaction, just sort of in a-
0: Yeah, okay. and whoa
1: or no, okay? okay so whoa or no i got it i i got it okay ford versus ferrari no the irishman eh. jojo rabbit
0: i don't even know what that is joker no
1: little women whoa <laughs> marriage story Well. Um, 1917 well, once upon a time in hollywood
0: you said you liked it parasite that sounds terrible
1: OK, so it's, it's hard because I feel like you're not into any movies
0: since having children and having a lot less free time. I only want to see movies that are going to like make me happy. And so that knocks out a lot except of the Oscar that, Except contenders. that you
1: watch TV shows for hours on end that, that do not make you happy. No,
0: they're like silly. They're not like actually like meaningful sadness that happens in the world.
1: I don't understand why you don't want to watch something that is, you know, like interesting. Like, some of these movies are interesting. interesting.
0: Like, I'm interested in The Two Popes. I would watch The Irishman. The Joker, Two Popes? The Two Joker. Popes was not nominated for Best Picture. I, I'm just
1: saying. Joker? I mean, okay. So, I can see why you wouldn't like Joker. It's very dark. Yeah. What about something like, you said you would watch The Irishman. Yeah. You said you didn't want to see 1917.
0: It just looks like one of those like
1: I mean it is a war movie We've seen
0: 10,000 of those movies have
1: you seen 10,000 war movies no
0: because they're all boring
1: they're all boring oh okay which boring war movie did you see please name a boring <laughs> war movie that you them. see okay lots of them yeah didn't see the movie lots of them I think you would like Parasite I think you would I think I could show you that one and you would like that I think you would like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I mean it does have Leo Yeah. It's like a five-way race at this point. I think it's somewhere between Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Joker, or The Irishman. I think the other ones are just, you know, happy to be there.
0: Ford vs. Ferrari is out.
1: It's not going to win. I'm actually surprised it got the Best Picture nomination because for those that don't know, the only way to receive a Best Picture nomination is you have to appear as the number one film on 5% of the ballots, which means 5% of the people who voted for the nominees thought that Ford vs. Ferrari was the best movie of the year. Which, it was good, but... Was
0: it Matt Damon? (laughs) I mean, he does (laughs) vote. And Christian Bale.
1: I mean, they do vote, but... Maybe those do. (laughs) That's not 5% of the Academy.
0: The whole cast, bands together. What
1: if you did this? What if you had a movie that was like... 2,000 people and, and you made everybody vote. vote. Yes. If you had like 2,000 people in the Academy and everybody voted for your film, that, that could be a way to win Best Picture. It could be. Pretty interesting. All right, so the Oscars are on February 9th. We're going to have an instant reaction podcast that'll come out the morning after the Oscars. That'll be a lot of fun. Until then, we will give our picks on some of the other categories when we get a little bit closer. But for now, let us move on to the premier topic this week. We are talking about Little Women. So this time last year, I should just say, I had no knowledge of Little Women other than that it was a book and that it was a movie. Yeah,
0: you didn't care at all until you saw that Saoirse Ronan was in it and you were like, I love her, must see this movie. That's
1: right. So in the time between last year and now, I've seen a stage production. I have seen the 2019 version of Little Women and I have seen the 1994 version of Little Women, which I watched by myself on a Saturday night while Maureen was out of town. So that goes to show you that I am pretty much into Little Women now. So Maureen... Before we before we get into some of the details about each of the movies, can you just give a quick recap for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with the Little Women story? What is Little Women about?
0: Wow. On the spot here. Okay. Little Women is a story about four sisters, the March sisters, and I guess their mother ter- in a tertiary way. And it's about the sisters growing up in Concord, Massachusetts during the ending-ish of the Civil War and the sisters all have very different personalities and it's about them kind of growing up and coming into their own womanhood and what each of them chooses to do with that.
1: That was really good. Thank you, you didn't write anything down. I did not. Okay, so the 1994 version of Little Women was written by Robin Swicord and directed by Gillian Armstrong.
0: Women, women power.
1: It starred Winona Ryder as Jo, Trini Alvarado as Meg, Claire Danes as Beth, Kirsten Dunst as young Amy. Susan Sarandon as Marmee, and Christian Bale as Laurie.
0: The real question is, what happened to Trini? Because everyone else did really well. What
1: happened to Trini Alvarado? That's a good question. I did look up her IMDb. It didn't look like she did very much after this movie. The 2019 Little Women was written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It starred Saoirse Ronan as Jo, Emma Watson as Meg, Eliza Scanlon as Beth, Florence Pugh as Amy, Laura Dern as Marmee, Timothy Chalamet as Laurie, Meryl Streep as Aunt March, and Chris Cooper as Mr. Lawrence. And fun fact, if you notice the four girls, the four little women in the 1994 version, all American and Laurie is played by someone who is from England from, I think Christian Bale's from Wales. The 2019 version, all four little women are played by people not from America so I think Saoirse Ronan is Irish, Florence Pugh and Emma Watson are British and Eliza Scanlon is Australian and Timothy Chalamet American. Isn't
0: that Interesting. funny? Interesting.
1: Okay. So I should set this discussion up by saying that both movies pretty much cover the same story beats. And that's because both were based on the same book by Louisa May Alcott. So for our conversation, I want to compare specific aspects and decide which one ultimately is the better film. So we're going to start with a comparison of some of the main characters. So Maureen, in the 1994 version, we had Winona Ryder playing Joe. In the 2019 version, we had Saoirse Ronan playing Joe. Both Academy Award nominees for this performance. Who is your pick for the better Joe? I don't think. And you can say it's a tie.
0: Yeah, I don't think one blows the other out of the water, but I'll say Sersha only because I find Winona Ryder kind of annoying.
1: Yeah, I think Sersha as well. And I I am a little biased because she's like my favorite actress. But what I will say about this is that I feel like Sersha gets a little bit more to do. And I think that's based on sort of the story structure, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. But it seems like she is able to have some more emotional depth. So, for example, there's a scene towards the beginning of both movies where. Joe goes to a dance and that's where she and Lori meet. And in the 1994 version, Joe doesn't really get to explain why she doesn't get to go out and dance. She just sort of comes in and meets Lori and then they have a little moment, but that scene's pretty short in the 2019 version. Joe explains a little bit more about her character, about how she burns her dress because she gets too close to the fire. And her sister Meg has told her not to come out to dance because she'll embarrass the family. So I feel like, that's kind of a, a thing throughout that Sersha Ronan's character, Joe has more to do than Winona Ryder's. But I would say that they're pretty equally matched, but I, I'll give it to Saoirse as well. Okay. The better Meg. This is between Emma Watson in the 2019 version and Trini Alvarado in the 1994 version.
0: Meg is a hard character. I think she's the, so boring. Yeah. She is. She takes the more traditional route for women of the time. And, spoiler alert like she ends up falling in love and getting married not for money and she's just not written to the caliber that joe is
1: well i think joe is the main character is that yes, i mean like yes. even though it's about the four sisters right. joe is the main character I, I have to give this to trini alvarado like i don't think emma watson, emma watson is not seem old enough so i do think that trini alvarado is the better meg here would you agree yeah okay The better Amy. So this is an interesting discussion because in the 1994 version, this part is split between two actors. The first is Kirsten Dunst, who is now a relatively famous actress. She plays young Amy, and Amy in the story is the youngest of the sisters. And I think Kirsten Dunst was 11 when she made this movie. And I think if you're just comparing that part to Florence Pugh, who plays Amy in the new version – I think Kirsten Dunst plays that young part better because she's actually a young girl.
0: Yes, I agree. It was it seeing the two movies relatively close together in time. I had previously seen the 1994 version, but I rewatched It makes a big difference to have the actual younger sister be younger. I think it helps the story a lot. I think it helps the dynamic a lot. I think it helps what ends up happening, which spoiler alert, you know, Amy marries Laurie at the end and When you see it all as one character with Florence Pugh, you're kind of like, well, that's not fair. Like you were she doesn't seem like a little girl in the beginning. And I think having Kirsten Dunst as that 11 year old really helps.
1: And as someone who did not see the 1994 version first, I didn't really understand the age difference between the girls when I saw the 2019 version. So I actually didn't realize that she was supposed to be significantly younger than Joe. Because Florence Pugh in real life is 23 and Saoirse Ronan is 26. And and they are sort of playing younger in the scene set at the end of the Civil War. And then, of course, some of the scenes take yeah, but place. but just
0: because they give her bangs doesn't make her seem like she's 11. Right,
1: right. And that's what I'm saying. But I do think that Florence Pugh as the older Amy yeah, she was, great. was very good. And also an Academy Award nominee for her performance in this film. So... I think that if you're comparing the overall performance, I think Florence Pugh does a better job. But if you're just comparing like the young Amy stuff, I think that Kirsten Dunst portrays it better because of her age.
0: I think overall it serves the movie better to have a younger actress in the earlier scenes. What's
1: funny, though, is that when they do have the older Amy in the 1994 version... They got someone who was significantly older than even Trini Alvarado, who was supposed to be the oldest sister. So everybody else is the same. Winona Ryder, Trini Alvarado, and Claire Danes are all the same in eight years later, except for this person this new person playing Amy, who was <laughs> quite much older than-, than the rest. All right. So the better Beth. Now, this is a part that, you know, the character of Beth, for those that don't know, dies in the movie. And it's played by Claire Danes in the nineteen ninety four version. and It's played by Eliza Scanlon, who I wasn't familiar with as an actress before seeing the two thousand nineteen version. I think that Claire Danes is really good. I mean, she's just a really good, and she's like been good for a long time.
0: So here's my deal: I actually went into seeing the new version thinking like nobody can beat Claire Danes, but I actually liked Eliza better. And I think it's because I've seen Claire Danes and so many other things and she's just straight brings a lot of Claire Danes to it.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I will say that the character of Beth in the new version is funnier than the character of Beth in the older version. I don't know if that was specifically something Greta Gerwig did, but I found myself laughing more at some of the things that she did in the new version that I didn't notice in the 1994 version. One thing I will say about Claire Danes is that if you've ever watched Homeland she does this face, this like crying face where her lips and mouth starts to like quiver. She's been doing that since she was 14 and made little women. I mean, it's like the exact same person. So it was really funny to have, have watched Homeland, you know, before I saw little women and then just see like a little Carrie Matheson in little women. It was very funny. Okay. So the better Lori, Maureen, I think you're going to have a strong opinion about this. Christian Bale was Lori in the 1994 version. Timothy Chalamet was Lori in the twenty nineteen version.
0: Much to my sister in law Kathy's dismay, I really thought I was gonna hate Timothy Chalamet. He surprised me more than I thought. I like I liked him. I think I still picked Christian Bale But I think Timothy Chalamet did a good job. And I will say that the only moment that I truly hated Timothy Chalamet's performance was when he was confessing his love for Joe and his hair was like, (laughs) I've never seen... Like, the hair and makeup people went crazy. They were like, well, he's going to be outside, so it could be wind-tossed. Let's just make it stand straight up like a troll doll. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen.
1: It was a little distracting. But that
0: aside, I think he did a great job.
1: I think that you might be picking Christian Bale more from a nostalgia factor. But again, I think... I like Timothy Chalamet more, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was given more to do in the new version than he was in the previous version. Like Christian Bale doesn't have a huge like range of acting to do as Lori in the nineteen eighty four version. So I felt like Timothy Chalamet brought more to the table in the twenty nineteen version. So I liked his performance more. But I do think Christian Bale is probably like the more respected actor at this point in their careers. All right. So we're not going to talk about all the supporting characters, but just generally supporting characters in the 94 version versus the supporting characters in the ni- 2019 version. And by that, I mean, Aunt March, Marmy, Mr. Lawrence, et cetera. Do you have a pick for who you liked more?
0: I was comparing Marmy's a lot. I think because I am a mother now and have children. I really liked Laura Dern, but I think Susan Sarandon was so- a stronger Marmy I think Laura Dern not backplayed but I think she was more subtle in ways to let sertia shine yeah I think that was probably Greta's decision as director that Marmy would not be as like like stern not stern but like Marmy would not take as much of a stand so that Joe could Joe's stand could look even more dramatic interesting I thought Laura Dern did a nice job of like the classic mom of like well what do you think yeah well, how do you feel like what do you think is the right thing to do? But I like yeah, that's a good point. A little bit of Susan Sarandon's tenacity.
1: I think that overall, I think the supporting characters in the new version stand out a little bit more than the than the older version. But a lot of that is to do with the, with the fact that like Aunt March is played by Meryl Streep, who's probably the greatest actor living right now, and you know someone like Chris Cooper plays Mister Lawrence. And when I was watching the nineteen eighty four version, there there just wasn't the the same energy that Chris Cooper brought. And and one I of the totally things that I that. loved about Chris Cooper's performance is that he was such a, like a soft spoken mm-hmm. and like kind hearted person. And I thought that's how the character was. And I don't know if that's the case in the book, but I didn't get that sense when I watched the, the 1994 version. Like there's such a like beautiful relationship between, Chris Cooper's character, Mr. Lawrence, who had previously lost a daughter, you know, before the, the story of Little Women takes place and how he connects with Beth. And Beth is a pianist and, you know, he lets her come and play in his big house and eventually gives her a piano. And
0: also in the 1994 version, we have lo- seen in the beginning with Laurie playing the piano. And there was a big deal in the 2019 version about how nobody in the house plays the piano. Wouldn't it be nice if Beth could play the piano? We should see what happens in the book, because I think people are just taking liberties Yeah, for
1: those who've read the book, let us know what what the deal is with the piano in the Lawrence household. All right, so I want to ask about the story structure. This is something I find really interesting, and I think what really sets the two movies apart. The story structure in the 1994 version is very straightforward. It's very linear. You see the story from beginning to end. And it's almost, you know, each scene is almost pretty simplistic in its portrayal of what's going on in the 2019 version. I think what Greta Gerwig did is she basically bounces back and forth between, you know, the, the sisters as they're grown up and then the sisters during the end of the civil war when they're still young and living at home. So I'm interested to hear what you think Maureen, having seen the 94 version first and then see, seeing the 2019 version, which one resonated more with you? Like, did you like the, the bouncing back and forth.
0: I liked the flashbacks. And here's why. I think that it gave more legitimacy to the ending. Because what you get is eventually Joe marries this, like, professor guy.
1: Yeah, they've changed his name in pretty much every version. But in yeah. the, in this movie, in the 19, he's, 2019 he's, version, he's from France.
0: Yeah, he's not American. He's, like, dark and mysterious. And he's, like, a literary mind. And... I think by bookending it with him, you see him in the beginning and then you see flashbacks. So he is more of a permanent character or more of a fixture in the, fir- in the 2019 version. Whereas in the 1994 version, he comes in at the very end. You're like, who the heck is this guy? And he's much older. And it's like, it ends and you're like, ew, did she marry him? That's awful. Like, it, it you, you're not bought in. But in the 2019 version, you see him from the beginning and they – It's still taking place over the same amount of time, but because we're getting flashbacks, you feel like you've known him for longer, and I think it makes the ending work.
1: One of the things I will say about the story structure is for someone like me who is not very familiar with the the story overall, I was a little confused at first, and I think part of this was, also the fact that the same actors were playing the you know the young and yeah, older version and they didn't really look that much younger so i was i think upon a second watching i'll enjoy the structure more but one thing i really did like is how they as how greta gerwig wrote the script to sort of place moments in the young girls' lives with moments in the older women's lives. So, for example, when the character of Beth gets sick with Scarlet Fever, you see the scene of her younger getting sick, as well as the scene of her older getting sick and ultimately dying. You see them sort of back to back. And you have this you have these like really beautiful juxtaposed moments. For example, like Sersha Ronan's character Joe comes down the stairs after young Beth is sick and she doesn't see Beth in her bed and she thinks she's died, but she's just sitting at the table. Like a scene later, you see the same thing and this time it's in the the present day and Beth is gone. And so I thought it was a really nice storytelling way of portraying some important information and I, I really liked how that structure worked.
0: It's interesting that you liked that moment because I thought that that moment was like too aggressive i was like okay we get it like this like but it that was could a have just too... been because
1: i wasn't as familiar with the story Maybe. like i think i knew that she died but i didn't know sort of the the circumstances behind everything so i i really did like the story structure and i think if i watch it again which i'm sure i will i'll like it even more knowing the story the way that it's supposed to go All right, Lauren, this is a small thing, and I don't know if you'll have an opinion about this, but do you have a preference on the music in the film? So the music in the 1994 version was composed by Thomas Newman, who I think I've stated is like my favorite composer. The music in the 2019 version composed by Alexander Desplat, both nominated for an Academy Award for their work in in this film. Which do you like better? I like the music in the 1994 version better, but I think that's Bias because I like Thomas Newman so much I just like the tone of his music I think I, I was listening to the Alexander Desplat music again yesterday when I was thinking about the podcast and I do like his music it just doesn't connect with me emotionally as much as like Thomas Newman's scores typically do so I have to give it to the 1994 version all right Maureen this one I think is a runaway we just have two things left to discuss but I think there's no question who wins this one who had the better use of kittens? I can't remember a single kitten in the 2019 version, yeah, but there, there was were like some adorable they were, <laughs> kittens. They
0: were like all climbing around the bed and the girls were There's snuggling them. There's so many them. cats in the 1984
1: <laughs> version I and thinking, I just loved how it. How do
0: they have, have enough food to feed those cats? I have I don't no know idea. Food for... It was
1: great. There's a scene where just like Meg and Joe are like <laughs> cats are like you climbing. I love that question in there. They're just like climbing all over the girls. It was amazing. So better use of kittens, 1994 version. Great job. All right, last thing. The better ending. Which film had the better ending? So for those who don't know, the 1984 version ends with Joe and her mysterious professor guy who she's fallen in love with, they're, them getting together and kissing in the rain. The 2019 version has that scene at the train station. They're kissing. They're together. But the story ends with Joe opening a school in Aunt March's house, which she received as a part of the will when Aunt March passed away. Which ending did you like more?
0: I like the school, though I think it's highly unrealistic. Like how do do those kids pay to go to school? How do they have enough money to like pay all and all her family works there? Like, you know, the professor teaches violin lessons and her sister teaches sewing and and art. Amy teaches art and yeah. So I was kinda like, How are all these people making their living at this school?
1: Yeah, I think well, I think if you can put that aside, I think you're right. I think the school ending is much more powerful and I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that they mention that in the 1994 version, like she says, maybe I could open a school here and they just sort of leave it. And the ending of the film is really left on this like romantic note. And I think that the 2019 version also ends on a romantic note, but it's more of like a powerful sort of like, what can a woman do? Because a lot of the 2019 version is, you know, like women, are restricted or were restricted in that time about what they could pursue in their life. Like they couldn't have land and they, they couldn't really earn their own money. And so I think ending with sort of a really powerful scene of Joe sort of walking through the school that she's built.
0: Yes. But I wanted to know how that was possible. I love the message, but as a viewer, I was like, is this?
1: Didn't she just write a book? Maybe she got a bunch of money. Maybe she
0: funds it herself and pays all of her sisters to like, I mean, maybe so. I don't know. I just would have liked a little more like, pragmatism around it and then I would of course you would
1: (laughs) of course you would all right so I think that just leaves which version do you like more I think I have to give it to the 2019 version I just think that the story that Greta Gerwig presents is a little bit more complex it's a little bit more interesting I did like the 1994 version more than I thought I would
0: yeah I like 2019 as well it just felt fresh and it was nice to see kind of an updated version
1: yeah all right so we're going to move on to teasers now my teaser for this week is something that aired in the past week. It is the Jeopardy greatest of all time tournament, featured three of Jeopardy's heaviest hitters, best players of all time, Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, and James Holzhauer to determine who is the greatest of all time. It's just really fun. If you're into Jeopardy, if you like good Jeopardy and really competitive matches, I would highly recommend checking it out. I think they put most of those episodes on YouTube or at least large chunks of it. So I will see if I can find a clip to share. Maureen, do you have a teaser for this week?
0: My teaser is the season three of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh. It's delightful. She's on tour. She's a female comedian in 1960, and oh. it's really fun. So if you started the show and you weren't sure, I'd go back to it. This season is really good. Yeah,
1: I dropped off. So you think even I would like it? Just
0: pick up in season three. All right.
1: Maybe I'll do that. All right. That's our show for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to take a week off next week, but we'll be back in two weeks. And we'll see you then.
0: You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com.
1: Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye. All right, the big kahuna, best picture. The big
1: kahuna, is it kahuna, kahuna?
0: No, kahones (laughs) are what they call testicles. Uh, Kahuna, the big kahuna is an expression. The big kahuna. I don't actually know what kahuna means.